and the title of our study, as you can already see, is Jethro and Moses. So before we do that, let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you so much for you are a great and wonderful God. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word as a message, as a guiding light in our lives. And I pray that this evening, as we study your word, that you would guide us once more. Lead us, O Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. So the Israelites have just finished fighting the Amalekites, and they've obtained the victory. Moses, remember, he was holding up the rod of God in his hand. Aaron and Hur were assisting him while Joshua and the rest of the Israelites were fighting in the valley below. But now we come to a pause about the Israelites themselves, and today we're going to be studying about Moses and more of his encounter that he had with Jethro. So let's turn to our first text found in Exodus 18, verses 1 through 6. When Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt, then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her two sons, of which the name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been an alien in a strange land, and the name of the other was Eliezer, for the God of my father said he was mine help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness, where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law Jethro, am come unto thee and thy wife and her two sons with her. So after a few weeks, possibly even a few months of being separated from his family, finally they are reunited again. They had actually initially started off together as a family to go back to Egypt when Moses was called by God first from the burning bush. But look at what happened. Look at this. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 18 to 20, we are told this. And Moses went and returned to Jethro his father-in-law and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they yet be alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons, and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. We don't really read of where Moses left to go back from Jethro, but he must have thought, uh, pardon me, where, where his family left to go back to Jethro, and they left Moses to go on to Egypt. But he must have thought it would have been too dangerous for them to be with him there in Egypt. So he probably sent them back to Midian to wait for him after he had finished his mission. There was no lack of faith thinking that, you know, God could not protect them. You know, sometimes that's how we classify it, isn't it? But we, we can maybe get to the point where sometimes we're too presumptuous thinking we have to have the family go. Maybe Moses' heart might not have been fully set 
on the task at hand if he were to worry about the safety of his wife and his children as well. But either way, we've come to the point now where they are now finally reunited again. And so let's continue our story. In Exodus chapter 18, verses 7 through 12, we're reading quite a large amount of text here, but it is a story, right? So they've reunited, but now we read in verse 7 of Exodus 18. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did obeisance and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced out of the hand of, pardon me, rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. So who is this Jethro? Well, we already know that he is the father-in-law. He has been repeated several times. But what is his background? What do we know about him? Where did he come from? Well, when Moses killed an Egyptian, he had to flee for his life. Pharaoh was hunting his life. And where did he end up running to? Well, we read in Exodus 2 verse 15, Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So when Moses fled that first time and he ran away from Egypt, he ran all the way to Midian, which was east of Egypt, but the south of Canaan. And this is where he would meet Zipporah, his wife. His wife was not an Israelite. His wife was a Midianite. But who was Jethro, though? Let's keep reading in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Do you see that? And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. So we read very clearly here that, that Jethro, he was the priest of Midian. And even though they were not the chosen people of God per se, this man was a worshiper of the true God. And we see this in his act of offering a burnt sacrifice to God when he came and met Moses and all the Israelites and the elders. They came and they ate together. He offered a sacrifice to God, to thank God for their protection, for their safety, and all that God had delivered them from. Moses had recounted to him about the Red Sea, about the plagues, about that whole experience, and even their part of their experience in the desert, right? And Jethro was just so thankful. He was praising God on behalf of Moses for all that God had done for them and for the Israelites. And we see clearly here, friends, 
that the Israelites are not the only ones that were the true worshipers of God. They were not the only ones that were blessed with the knowledge of God. And I believe in a very great way today, we also see that many people out there are true worshipers of God as well, not just Christians. You know, we've read this book before, God and the Ancient Chinese. I've read this book, not we, but I've read this book before called God and the Ancient Chinese and how it talks about even the Chinese characters. They talk about the knowledge of the God that we have in the Bible. It talks about how these characters explain and point to how we see these characters in the Bible as well. And so I'm not, I don't understand anything really about Chinese, but we see there that even the ancient Chinese people, they had a knowledge of the true God. Buddhism actually was not the religion of the Chinese. That actually came from India. But you see, friends, there are people all around the world that may not be Christian, but they also have a true understanding of God as well. Even in the Bible, beyond here what we're studying this evening, remember the wise men that came from the East, they came to look for Jesus, the first advent of Christ, when they came and saw him and found him in Bethlehem in a stable. So God, he's working on people all around the world. He's giving everybody a chance to believe in him. And so Moses, he had plans to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt as a general, as, and the Israelites were to be his army, but God had other plans. He led him to this family, not just to hide from Pharaoh, but also to be retrained in his heart and mind, to give him a clearer understanding of his will and to shape his character to be a true leader. And this God did by leading him to Jethro, and to his family. And so let's continue with the story, shall we? Let's go back to Exodus chapter 18, and now let's read verse 13. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And so we see here that Moses, he is sitting before the people, and basically he was a judge, He was a teacher, he was a prophet, he was the leader of the nation. He was basically everything to the Israelites. And so the people, they would come to Moses for help, for instruction, for advice. And from morning to evening, we saw that Moses, he would be busy leading them, teaching them, instructing them, even settling disputes between them. Look, we must remember that the children of Israel They came out of Egypt as what? They were slaves. They'd been slaves for close to 400 years. This was a nation of slaves, and there was no order. They didn't even have a system of governance for themselves. They didn't even have freedom back in Egypt to make these sorts of decisions, right? So this was a new experience to all of them, a newfound freedom that they never had before. And so they were going through the growing pains. They were asking Moses for maybe even the smallest of things. They had no idea to run this whole nation. And so they were all just crowding around Moses, asking for help from morning until evening. And so when Jethro, he comes along and he sees Moses doing all of this, just sitting there all day, what does he say to Moses? Let's keep reading. 
Exodus chapter 18, 14 to 18. The Bible says, And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning unto even. And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another. And I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee, thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Jethro, basically, he did not approve of what Moses was doing. Jethro, obviously, advanced in years and much experience. He saw what Moses was doing, sitting there from morning to evening, and he said, this is not good. Yes, Moses, he was being busy for a good cause. After all, this is what God had called him to do, right? To lead the children of Israel. So that's what he was doing. But yet it was early on in his so-called career with the Israelites. And so he must still have felt fresh. Yes, I have all the energy. You know, sometimes we come into a new work and we're saying, yeah, it's okay, I can do this. Yes, I can do that. And we think that, oh, yes, I have all the energy. I can do lots of things but not realizing that if we were to continue this, we would burn ourselves out. And so this was what was happening with Moses. Jethro, with the wisdom and the experience that he had, he was watching what Moses was doing day to day, and he said, you will surely wear yourself out. You will get burnt out. He was probably already neglecting his family. He's probably having to eat his breakfast, lunch, and dinner real quick. There were probably people knocking at the door of his tent every single moment of every day. And so Jethro said, this is not good. And so what does he recommend? What does Jethro then go on to suggest to Moses? Let's keep reading verses 19 to 23 of Exodus 18. Hearken now unto my voice, I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayst bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them, to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every matter, great matter, they shall bring unto thee. But every small matter they shall judge, so shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, the God and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. So first, what does Jethro do? He establishes the role of Moses. What was he to do? Well, he was to be like God to the people. What does that mean? You see, in the New King James, all it says was he was to stand before God for the people, on behalf of the people. And so he was to bring all those difficult cases to God that could not be resolved by anyone, even including himself. 
Moreover, he had to teach the people ordinances and laws and to show them how they ought to walk and the work that they had to do. And these ordinances, they weren't just like religious laws, right? They were the ten, yes, they, they, they included the Ten Commandments and the feast days and all the ceremonial laws, but they were also civil laws. Like when someone killed somebody or when someone harmed somebody or how to treat a servant or, you know, all the civil laws that were also written down. We find this in Leviticus and even part of Exodus as well. These civil laws were also to be established by Moses that God would give to them through him. So this was to be his primary work, to be a judge, to be a teacher, yes. But at least this is what Jethro suggested. It was a high-level work which would guide the whole nation, and through him, he would exert a strong influence upon all those that were under him. Which leads us to our second point. What did Jethro also suggest? That Moses should select certain select people to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they were to be the ones that would judge the smaller matters, to settle the smaller disputes, something that a little bit of wisdom and prudence would help them to understand the situation and then decide how to move forward. It was only when the matter would get out of control or or too great for them to handle that they were to bring the case before Moses to judge. So what was Jethro doing here? He was basically suggesting a system of governance for a nation. Look, rarely can one person attend to the needs of a hundred or even two hundred people. But here Moses was dealing with a nation that was probably over a million strong. This is what the Bible records of how many people came out of Egypt. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 37. Look at this. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. Do you see that? This did not even include the women and children. So certainly there was probably more than one million people that came out of Egypt and that was being led by Moses every day. Certainly, there must have been a long queue for Moses' attention every single day. If just one person had one problem every 30 days, it would still wear Moses out. And so this is the reason why Jethro suggested to to add this system of governance, governance, a second layer between him and the people. Not because he didn't like them or didn't want to deal with them, but it was just too much and too great a burden as well. So Jethro, upon seeing that straight away, knew that this was something that would probably wear out and burn Moses out if he was to continue like this. So he suggests the rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. How did Moses react? Look at this. Exodus 18, 24 to 27. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons, 
the hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way into his own land. Moses, he took the counsel of his father-in-law, and he applied it straight away, without hesitation. You know, there's a few important lessons that we can learn here that Moses had with his encounter with Jethro. First, order and governance and organization is very important. This applies not only to a nation, but to companies and churches and even small groups. In order for the nation of Israel to grow into something bigger and greater, it had to grow beyond Moses. It couldn't just depend on him. Either the work would have burnt him out or it would have killed him, or he would not have been able to meet the needs of every person effectively. And you know, friends, when we don't meet the needs of every person effectively, when we don't come down to the people and be able to deal with every single issue, what would happen? It would have risen a riot, a rebellion, uh, uh, and maybe even a suggestion of a new system of governance that would have usurped the role of Moses and the authority that God had given to him. You know, in the Bible, we see one such story. It's the story of David and his son, Absalom. You see, there was a point that David did not rule his kingdom well. But Absalom, his son, decided to sit at the gate every single day and to greet all the people, helping them with their problems and socializing with them and just talking with them and connecting with them. So what happened with Absalom and his father, David? 2 Samuel 15, verses 2 to 6. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man had a controversy, came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. So there was no man that was assigned to take care of their issues and their problems. And then Absalom added this, Moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh unto him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Eventually, Absalom, the son of King David, would actually try to take the throne from his father and try to kill him. So we certainly see the importance of a system of governance to be able to run a country, run a kingdom, even run a church. And even here, as we have um, in our midst, in our two churches, we have 15 Bible workers. I'm thankful that we have even Bible worker leads, leaders within our teams to still lead out in the work below that. So order, governance, all of this, very important. And this is what God established very early on. Look, they had been gone, gone for a few weeks, maybe even a few months already, but it got to this point where God said, this is now the time that we need to add all this order of governance. And you know, friends, it brings us to our next lesson. We have to choose our leaders wisely. You know, Jethro, he gave prerequisites to Moses about the sort of leaders 
he would choose, the sort of people that he should choose to stand next to him, to lead and to govern and to judge the people. What were they? Let's go back to Exodus 18 and verse 21. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. Do you see that? Three things. Number one, they had to fear God. Number two, they had to be men of truth. And number three, they had to hate covetousness. Well, let's go through these three characteristics very quickly. What does it mean to fear God? That they would regard the worship of God more important than anything else. His holiness, his reverence, his righteousness. They had to learn to put him first, last, and best in their lives. They had to have the honor of God in their hearts, the mission of God, the desire for God's name to be glorified. That is what it means to fear God. But they also had to be men of truth. And this means that they had to be faithful and trustworthy and honest men. A very important characteristic if you were to be a judge. You know, we may think that that truth there is referring to the Bible. But remember, no page of scripture had been written yet. Yes, I mean, the book of Job, they say, was written by Moses when he was in the wilderness. But really, men of truth. They had to be truthful people, telling the truth, not lying, not cheating, not stealing. Which brings us to that third characteristic that was mentioned, men that would hate covetousness. Why? Because if you were covetous, you would try to get money. Even when it came to bad or wrong cases, if someone could buy you out, how can you be a faithful and a just judge, right? So these men, they had to be faithful to to God, faithful at that level in which they would um, be true and honest, but then faithful that they would not be bought out or sold, that their desire for money, their desire for getting more possessions in life would not overrule their thoughts and their decisions to make a right and true and fair decision. Such an important characteristic, especially in our day and age. You know, when we think of politicians, nothing good comes to our minds nowadays, isn't it? Many times we think of our leaders in these countries and around the world. We don't think of them as being honest and good people. Many times we think, what did you do to get yourself there, isn't it? So these men that were to stand beside Moses to be judges of thousands, judges of hundreds and fifties and tens, they had to have the, a good character above anything else. These were the prerequisites that Jethro recommended. And friends, what a high calling that is. What a high calling. But what great importance are they in order to be good, fair, and just judge? Moses needed to be able to trust these people that they were making the wise and right decisions. If not, it would reflect upon him as a leader as well, right? It would have made his job even more difficult. What if trouble arose from within this leadership and because because he had not chosen wisely? So we must be careful, friends. So important to choose God-fearing leaders who love the truth, who are full of truth, and who hate covetousness. But you see, friends, the third lesson also that we can learn from this is that we don't need to know all the answers as a leader. 
the recommendation that came to Moses was from Jethro, his father-in-law. And this did not diminish the role of Moses anymore just because he got advice from someone else. In fact, when he followed the, the counsel of Jethro, it increased his sphere of influence even greater. He could be more effective in teaching the people the laws and ordinances, and those that were under him would be able to judge more fairly and rightly and to be able to give more attention and time to listen to the people's problems. You see, help and counsel came from the most unexpected of places. It didn't even come from within the Israelite camp. It didn't even come from Aaron or someone who's a senior or an elder in Israel. It didn't even come directly from God. Yes, God, he was guiding Jethro. He was softening the heart of Moses. But God didn't say, Moses, you got to do this, this, this. No, it came through a Midianite priest, someone who was not of the same race. Yes, he was a priest and a godly man, but not the same people. And you know, friends, sometimes God speaks and works through others rather than speaking directly to us. But let's make sure this person loves God just like Jethro did. Let's make sure that this person worshiped the true God just like Jethro did as well. And you know, that reflects on us though. It reflected on Moses. He had to be humble enough to accept the sort of counsel. You know, he could have said to Jethro, Jethro, look, I know what I'm doing. That cloud, you see that cloud there? I've been following that cloud. And that cloud did not tell me to set up this system of order. When God wants me to do it, he'll do it at the right time. He could have said all of that. I'm the one that parted the Red Sea. I'm the one that brought the 10 plagues down, right? I know what I'm doing. And sometimes we can get ahead of ourselves. We can put ourselves to this point where we put ourselves in a box and no one is able and we're not willing to allow people to come and advise us. But Moses, even though he was in such a high position, even though he was so honored by God, he was still humble enough to accept feedback from his father-in-law, a priest of Midian who was not of the same race. Friends, God doesn't sometimes put us in positions just because we're qualified. No. It's that our characters might continue to be molded, that he might continue to guide us. There's always room for growth, no matter what position we hold, no matter how long we've been there, and no matter how long, how much clearly God has worked through each and every one of us. So this would be the beginning of how Israel would be organized into a nation learning how to govern themselves, putting people into formal positions and empowering them to do the work that God called them to do. And today, friends, we got to strive to be men and women of God whom God can use to guide people, to lead people, to add this system of governance to help a work to be organized. We got to make sure that we have that character that God, well, through Jethro, pointed out. Let's make sure that we fear God with all our hearts, that we reverence Him, we worship Him, we put Him first, last, and best in our lives. Let's be honest, men and women, to have integrity in our lives no matter the circumstance. And let us live lives that show that we're not focusing all our energies on the world and all its treasures on this earth, but rather we are treasuring up for ourselves 
treasures in heaven. Look, friends, who knows when God will call you to stand in a position of importance to him. We don't know. We don't know how sudden and how soon. And sometimes we think, oh, God's not going to call me. And so we keep our lives at a low standard. But you know, when you consider the life of Joseph, he was catapulted from prisoner to prime minister overnight. And it was in those dark times of his life when no one was watching that his character was still bright and precious like gold. It was in those times that God was molding his character as God molded Moses' character in the wilderness for 40 years taking care of sheep. God was molding the character of Joseph. And sometimes we think, well, when the occasion arises, then I'll stand up and be counted. But these little areas in my life, not so important. I'm not going to put as much effort in. I'm not going to care as much. And I'll just cut corners here and there. But friends, when we do that, we are setting up ourselves for failure in the bigger issues of life. Today, I know that God is molding each and every one of us. He wants all of us to be leaders. He wants us to be ministers and sharing God's word everywhere. He wants us to fulfill a role only we can fulfill. And so, no matter how great or small you think you are, God is training each and every one of us today to fulfill a specific position to be a great blessing to the whole world. May we be found faithful each and every day to the smallest of tasks and to the bigger ones that God calls us to. And even into the future, one day, he'll call us and stand, call us and maybe to ask us to stand up and lead just like Moses did. May God help us to that end. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, maybe some of us were sitting here this evening thinking, God, how can you be calling me? How can you be calling me to a position of leadership? Maybe we feel that we're not qualified. But Father, we know that even now, you're training us. You're preparing us. And even when we get into that position, you're still training and still leading and guiding each and every one of us. Lord, only today, help us to be faithful. Help us to allow you to guide and lead us. Help us, Lord, to love the truth. Help us to be men of integrity, women of integrity. Help us, Lord, not to be covetous, but to learn to fear you with all our hearts. Father, please guide us to that end. Remind us that you want all of us to be leaders and workers in your cause today. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.